Hello and welcome to episode number 36 of Making Media Now, the Filmmakers Collaborative Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Acevedo. On this installment of Making Media Now, we get a bit technical, as we do from time to time, as I chat with colorist Rob Bissett. Any of you who are familiar with the post-production process are likely familiar with what a colorist does. But for those of you who aren't, take a listen and discover. As a colorist, Rob alters the color of images you see on the screen in order to tell a better story. It's his job to manipulate and enhance color, to evoke emotions or create feelings that stem from the subconscious, and occasionally to fix mistakes. Rob's home base is in Boston, but he works with people from all over the world. He's been working as a colorist at Finnish Post in Boston for the past 15 years. Making Media Now is sponsored by Filmmakers Collaborative, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting media makers from across the creative spectrum. From providing fiscal sponsorship to presenting an array of informative and educational programs, Filmmakers Collaborative supports creatives at every step in their journey. To learn more, visit filmmakerscollab.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I have a request. Please subscribe and leave a review. It goes a long way toward helping the podcast get attention and exposure. And now on to my conversation with Rob Bissett. Hello, Rob Bissett. Welcome to Making Media Now. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Rob, you are a colorist. And uh, these days you're doing your work at Finish Post in Boston. Tell our listeners what a colorist does. So a colorist uh, takes the imagery that has been recorded and edited together and basically alters the way that the image looks. So we can change the color to alter the feel, um, to alter the mood, or just kind of work on consistency from shot to shot. If something's shot at a different time of day, you kind of make it look like it's all happening in one seamless area. So basically it's fancy, you know, layman terms, uh, kind of just saying you're using Photoshop for moving images to adjust the color. Give me an example where the work of a colorist uh, would be, you know, particularly impactful with a, with a, either a cinematographer or director who is trying to evoke a particular mood. So a lot of times cinematographers and directors try to have conversations with the colors beforehand to make sure that what they're trying to do on set comes through in the image. Some of that's done with lighting and some of it's done with color correction. And then when the two are combined together, it's kind of like the ultimate combination of getting those two uh, to get the best picture that you can get. So a perfect example is like something where, say, for example, you want something to feel romantic, right? So you would kind of maybe bloom the highlights a little bit, or you might make everything feel a little like rosy and cheery. Um, or if something's supposed to be horror or scary, you might darken it down, or you might um, add a light onto someone's face so you can see their emotion, or you might tint it blue um, to kind of give that feel of like creepiness. So it's really kind of storytelling through color. A lot of that's done intentionally in a way on set. And sometimes it's amplified even further. Sometimes it's done, it's not done on set. And then you have to kind of take it to that next level. So it, it, you know, it's just kind of a way of a different way of storytelling. Are your skills called upon as much for movies and TV as they would be say in the commercial world? 
uh, equally. It's done in both. It's done. Most of the work that I do is commercial, um, but I do movies and theatrical features as well. Um, But pretty much anything you see at any time on television or on the big screen, streaming, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, has been colored. Yeah, no, when I was when I was preparing to uh, chat with you, uh, two series came to mind for me when I think about the work of a colorist. Uh, One was Breaking Bad and the other was Ozark. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with both or either of those series, but, you know, Breaking Bad was set in Albuquerque. Almost all of the scenes, even the interiors for a lot of the times have this very washed out, you know, super almost oppressively bright feeling to him and Ozark there's a bluish hue around almost everything um again not from I don't know if you're familiar with either either of those shows but so would that be the work of a colorist would that be the work of the director of photography or or sort of both of them you know in in uh, collaboration a little bit of a combination. Ozark is more modern than mm-hmm. Company Three, just in terms of timeline. Yep. Um, Ozark was, I think, on I can't remember if it's season two or season three. I think now. I think they've done. I think they've done full two full seasons, and they're okay. They're yeah, I think you're right. On um, and uh, that's actually done by a colorist uh, named Tim Stipen, and he's extremely talented um, colorist. And I know that the look on that one specifically is um, I know uh, the lead actor, Jason Bateman, is heavily involved in uh, the look in that. And in and, and combination of working with Tim, um, they work in a very, like like you said, kind of a blue, uh, darker, um, mm-hmm. very stylized, that at first you're kind of like not really sure why this exists. And, you know, if you just saw it like a still of it one off, it might seem like kind of out of place. But as you, your brain gets acclimated to that look, it starts to feel normal. Um, it'd be really interesting to actually have some of that imagery in front of you and try to normalize it and see how far you have to push it away from blue to make it appear neutral. Sure. Um, but that, that's a fantastic look on that show. And obviously it's, well, the two shows you mentioned are similar in terms of their subject matter. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, it's, but they're two very drastic looks. Um, so in two very know, different settings. Totally. So, you know, it's, it's dark and uneasy and grungy and blue. Um, whereas breaking bad, which was done uh, uh, at this point, maybe 10 years ago or so in New Mexico, very, um, highlights are okay to get blown out. It's hot, it's sticky, it's uncomfortable. Um, you know, all those adjectives that I use are kind of portrayed in the color. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like the the warmth that is just the temperature knob is just cranked up. Yep. And yeah, uh, and it's it, it seems in each case the um, that aspect of of the look of the show almost represents the protagonist's mindset. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the, the Jason Bateman character. You know, he's in a pretty dark world. <laughs> that yeah, never seems there. to improve. Yep. Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, it's funny. One of the things that's one of the challenges of being a colorist is trying to interpret what the filmmaker or the client is trying to get across. Mm-hmm. You'll there's um, because it's, it's so subjective. Um, there just because you think something looks right. Someone else might not, might not agree. Um, it's not like there's a two plus two equals four answer. Um, so it's all subjective. And one thing that we're always tasked with is, 
understanding and trying to see what they're trying to accomplish through the photography, but also through the way that they describe the photography. So you'll get um, a, a bunch of adjectives thrown at you. I want it to look funky, smelly, dirty, grungy, like all these things that, you know, in your head mean something, but what does that mean in terms of what you're seeing visually? So, and then, you know, and then when you process those adjectives, how do you put them on the screen and what do you have to do to put them on the screen? Sometimes you can do it because that was the intention. And then other times there are limitations of the footage, Mm -hmm. Um, but you can always try to push it in a specific direction and see what works. But it's just kind of like having that collaboration back and forth with the filmmaker that is pretty unique about the, about the job. What was the path that led you to become a colorist? Are you pretty adept in terms of photography and, uh, you know, in creating images? I've always had a background in art pretty much my entire life. My mother was a uh, painter. Um, She still is. And, you know, I always did that stuff with her. Um, I went to school and I was an art major in school. And I did um, drawing, painting, photography, sculpture, um, you name it. And there I got introduced to... um, you know, this was uh, early 2000s, late 90s, I was introduced to uh, video editing. It was the very infancy of Final Cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of really thought that was pretty cool. It was a perfect blend for me of artistic and technical. And um, I, I really grabbed onto that. And in, in college, they kind of essentially let me make my own major. Um, being a liberal arts school, I uh, went to my guidance counselor and said, I, I, I'm really into this stuff. I really like it. I think I'd like to make a career out of it. And, you know, they let me essentially make a movie, a documentary for my senior thesis for the first year to a college. I had no idea what I was going to do uh, an art degree. It's like, what, you know, <laughs> what did I do with that? So I, I really got into the video stuff and at a college, I found some work in Boston and I thought I wanted to be an editor um, so I was, you know, working really hard in the editing world and learning how to edit and tell stories. And then, um, just by being in the field, I was introduced to color correction and, uh, you know, and working with film, 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter film. And, uh, that was, that was just it for me. Uh, once I learned that, you know, that what the possibilities were, I didn't even know it existed before I, before I was introduced to it. And once I learned the possibilities that were involved in color correction and, and film, um, I just became obsessed and pretty much just put my head down, learn how to do the work, tried to learn the creative aspects. Yeah. Just kind of kept cranking from there. So what was it about what a colorist does that, uh, that, uh, was attractive to you? Oh, I just thought it was a different aspect of storytelling that I didn't mm-hmm. really know about. Yeah. Um, like, like I said, I had done art all, all the way for my whole life, uh, painting, drawing, and uh, this was kind of like painting on a screen sure. Um, and photography really too, because I'd be in a dark room with photography and I'd be dodging and burning areas, uh, you know, trying to get different exposures on different parts of the paper and uh, of the photo. And, um, you know, you can do that in color correction. You make a vignette or you darken a side or you brighten someone's face. I mean, that's all stuff that you learn in a dark room. And um, what makes an image more appealing? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to just, you know, 
turn up contrast on a shot and add a little saturation and call it done. Um, whereas, you know, telling a story through multiple images, uh, and creating a feel is, it's a whole different ballgame. How does the work of a colorist differ when you're dealing with something shot on film versus something shot digitally? Nowadays, it's it's not as big of a difference as it used to be. Okay. Uh, when digital like DSLRs and everything were making their uh, appearance into the world in like you know 2008 or 2009 or whatever it was, everything was just much more crisp, much more sharp um, than film and you know, for a certain while there's trends that come and go in terms of looks and styles. And that was kind of more apparent and was kind of becoming more popular. Mm -hmm. Um, and then people kind of went back in the film direction and film just has like a different texture to it. Um, has a little bit more of an organic feel, um, a little bit of natural grain. It's, it's just the the nature of it is just more organic. Um, Mm -hmm. It's actually a strip of film. Does it feel like a, a richer canvas for a colorist? I mean, well shot film is, in my opinion, as good as it gets. Yeah. Um, well shot 35 millimeter. It's just, it has a different feel to it in the, in the blacks. It has a different depth to it that you can get. Um, but that's, you know, that line is becoming blurred now with cameras, digital cameras becoming better than I ever could have imagined when they first came out. Yep. Um, there are some times where, you know, you can make a digital image look like film. I mean, a lot of times I get that request. People yep. can't shoot film now just due to the budget concerns, right? Like it adds up, it's bulkier on, on set. It's not quite as easy. Not as many people are familiar with it, mm-hmm. but everyone wants it to look like film. So, you know, I do things like I, I take film scans and I study them and I figure out what tries to make certain things look like film. And then I try to do my best to emulate that um, on a digital scale. Um, if that's a a request that the client has. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had mentioned doing a lot of commercial work, which I imagine the end result is that work is going to appear on broadcast TV or uh, online. Given the variety of television types these days, uh, you know, in in terms of um, the technology, uh, some are, some TVs are more advanced technologically than others. You know, you got 4k and the various flat screens. Are you having to take that into consideration as a colorist so that there's uniformity of how the image is going to appear regardless of the television? So the monitor is going to show up on. So that's a question I get asked, um, quite frequently, okay. uh, ultimately, all I can control is how it looks in my room. So I make sure that I have a properly calibrated monitor. I make sure that I have everything is as accurate as humanly possible. We calibrate our monitors on a regular basis. um, And we make sure that the monitors are, you know, up to date with the current technology. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that is then processed through the finishing and editing and all that kind of visual effects all the way done through delivery. And then once it's delivered, um, I'm kind of at the mercy of the, the consumer. Um, the perfect example that I like to use is if you, you know, walk into Best Buy and you go to buy a TV and you look at a wall of televisions and there's 20 TVs and everyone's playing the same thing, but every single one looks different. Right. Um, so 
that's, you know, that's not, I'm not crazy about it. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that televisions range from a couple hundred bucks to thousands of dollars. Sure. And you can't really control every single one. Do you think that, you know, we're, we now live in a high def world too. So does that make the work of a colorist, you know, sort of more important in the sense that uh, the, you know, those colors are going to really pop in many instances just due to the nature of the uh, high def technology? Oh yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, you know, the transition from standard definition to high definition was obviously a big one. And yep. I'd like to think now standard definition is officially dead. I don't think anyone has SD TVs anymore, but even that itself took five, 10 years to, to fully happen. I mean, we were delivering SD masters for a very long time and you try to, you don't know anyone who has an SD TV, but it was, you know, still, still a request and still something that happened for a long time. Now the transition is more, uh, you know, now that we're set in HD, um, the next transition it, it is probably going to be, uh, and it has started with streaming content specifically is HD to HDR. Um, so which isn't as dynamic of a jump as it was SD to HD, but it's still a significant one. And, so, uh, HDR would be something that is it's, it's HD as it's being shot. No, it's HDR is essentially a viewing technology. So, uh, HDR stand for high dynamic range. So Got essentially it. it's, it's not like HDR photography where there's a high end and a low end and you okay. combine the two it's HDR monitoring. So essentially what it allows for is like a little bit more dynamic range. So specifically in the highlights, so like where you might have like specular highlights on like a car commercial that like has like sun glinting off of it or something like that just comes in a little bit uh, nicer. So when you're seeing stuff like streaming on television, there's like, if you have a specific, I think on uh, Netflix, you have to have um, like a, a premium package. It's like 15 bucks a month or something like that as opposed True. to the, mm-hmm. the normal. And then they allow for, assuming you have the television to play it, right. they allow for like Dolby vision or HDR um, monitoring, which is essentially the, the footage it's already exists in the footage. Something that we shot today. It is the dynamic range exists in the footage. It did not exist in the monitoring. Mm-hmm. So now that the televisions are becoming more and more advanced, it's allowing us to actually see more, if that makes sense. Sure. Definitely. What's the more common scenario for you where a director is working with you in the editing room and they have very specific ideas around what they want the colorist to be doing, or the director walks in and, as you mentioned earlier, throws a bunch of adjectives at you, and then you have to work your magic to arrive at that that feeling they're trying to evoke? Um, I'd say it's probably 50-50 with those. Um, you know, it's sometimes the director or director of photography or the advertising agency that we'd be working with mm-hmm. that kind of has the final say, the important thing is to kind of find out who has the final say, because you can have someone push you in a specific direction. And ultimately they're not the one who has the the call. So you spend all this time creating something and then only to have it undone, which, you know, I've I've done that before and lesson learned. And it's kind of trying to figure out who has, who's the one who's the shot caller. And, um, you know, a lot of times people will come in with previous campaigns that they've worked on or um, some reference stills that they've liked, uh, or sometimes even some of my own work, 
um, where they've looked at my reel or my website and said, Hey, we really like the work that you did on this commercial. Can mm-hmm. you make our commercial look that way? Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't because there are limitations based off of the photography. I mean, I've had, you know, student films come in and say, I want it to look like Blade Runner from 2049. Like, Sorry, you know, Roger Deakins didn't shoot it, but <laughs> you know, I'll do my best. Um, so, you know, it, it's a combination of the two, I'd say. And, and it's not really one extreme or the other. It's, it normally is a, a blend of both. So I ask this of craftspeople like yourself often. Uh, is it an occupational hazard that when you're finally allowed out of the uh, editing room to have some well-deserved time off and you're trying to relax watching a movie or a TV show, are your critical faculties on overdrive and you're critiquing the, the color correction that's being done? I used to a lot um, to the point where it was kind of hard for me to focus on a movie, but I, yeah. as I've gotten a little older, I think I've managed to kind of tune it out. Um, I am definitely aware of it at times if something is drastic or if there's a mistake um, I can, I, 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 you know, pause, rewind and, and, and see like, Oh, yep, that's, that's what that is. And I, so I'm a little more like critical in that way of trying to find things that I would have done differently or, um, you know, things that I feel like I'm curious about why they did them a specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I'm able to kind of, I've been able to separate myself I've, as of the last like five years, I've probably been able to separate myself and enjoy the filmmaking um, aspect of it. But I do always in every movie I watch and it drives my wife crazy. I watch every second of the credits as well. Uh, you should. Yeah. Because I, I need to see, I want to <laughs> see who worked on it. I want to see the people involved and, you know, the amount of work that goes into making a movie is absolutely insane. If yeah. you sit at a movie theater and you want, and you actually take a second to watch those credits and look at how many people yeah. it takes to make a movie and understand how hard each one of those people has worked to make that movie. It's, it's mind blowing. And how, how truly collaborative it is. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's making a movie is one of the hardest things to out there to do. And, and I know people love movies and they love watching movies and television shows, but I just don't think, I don't think so many people realize how much work goes into actually pulling it off. Yeah, and I, I think that the enjoyment as a viewer is increased when you come uh, to have an appreciation for the army of super talented, super dedicated craftspeople like yeah. yourself that are involved in putting it together. You mentioned a reel earlier. If listeners want to um, uh, check out your reel and get a sense of the, you know, the nature of the work that a colorist does, how would they be able to find that? Do you have a website? I do. I do. Um, my website is pretty simple. It's just my name, Rob And that's B E S S E T T E. Correct. Yep. Right. And, uh, on there I have, you know, a reel, I have, you know, some of my commercials I've worked on, some of the movies I've worked on. And I also try to stay updated with a blog section, which just kind of chats about, you know, the craft in general, things I've experienced, things I've, uh, had happened to me in, in, in my, throughout my career. 
Excellent. Well, Rob, thank you so much for your time. Uh, fascinating conversation and uh, no pun intended, a uh, colorful conversation. Uh, we'll be looking for your work and I appreciate you chatting with us. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too.